So I know you all heard this before, but I'm just going to refresh our minds on a couple of things, okay? It says this. It says in Isaiah 25 and verse 6, it says, And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people. Everyone say all. All people. A feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow. Yummy. Come on, I like steak with a little bit of fat, a little marbleized. Give me the meat with a little. Come on, and this is what God says, right? In the midst of, of chaos in the nations, he's prophesying through Isaiah. It says, of well-refined wines on lees, he will destroy on this mountain. Say, on this mountain. The surface of the covering, of the covering cast over the people, over all people, and the veil that is spread over all the nations. Come on, you can take that word to the bank tonight. Did you see that? Did you see that? That he will destroy. Everyone said he will destroy. The surface of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all the nations. Can I just get a little clearer with this? Because this is, this is the, the Holy Spirit wants us to understand something very, very clearly. That even the church in this hour needs a veil torn off. That there is a place where the Spirit of God is going to begin to open up and clear things. And, I, and, and I'm telling you, Christ was the fulfillment of all things because Isaiah was prophesying into the, into the future. Saying there's going to be one who comes that rips the veil off of everything. And every place where we haven't known the love of the Father. <laughs> Come on, God's trying to teach us a new language. And it's his love language. It's the language of grace. It's the language of, of his everlasting love over a people. And no matter what happens, go with me quick and I'll, 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 I'll bring it in for a landing quickly. Because this this I'll do this all next week. I'm just giving you a tease. And then I'm going to let this guy rip. But there's, there's the Holy Spirit, I feel like, spoke to me and said, there's something that the Lord's trying to do in this hour that he's trying to bring us back into a, such an a intimate relationship with him. Listen, do you know that when Adam was formed, that, he was, that celestial breath, celestial substance was breathed into Adam to bring him to life? And the whole world, everything was new. And he, he first met Papa God. Come on, and then through sinister deception, just say it, it was deception. They began to take a fruit that they weren't supposed to take of. And I'm telling you, in Christ, all things become new. Everyone say, all things become new. You know, there's people in this building that God made brand new. Come on, I feel like I got born again again this weekend. Just in, in, not, not because of the conference last week, because I just feel like God's opening up fresh new things and he wants to speak clearly and he has a sure word for us. And it says this in, in Colossians. Come on, one of my favorite books. Colossians 1, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been seen and revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not just something good that God's trying to do right now, but it's something that the Lord is trying to release in the Holy Spirit through his bride. That there's a clarity of, of the glory of God that's being released. And it says, Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present Every man perfect in Christ Jesus. What are you talking about, Paul? We're not perfect yet. And the Lord wants us to realize this, that when you touch the blood of Jesus, when you connect with the blood of Jesus, when the resurrection and the newness of life comes into you, that you become a new creation and all things become new, even how you perceive God. Look, can we... Can we try? I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna announce something, and we'll, it'll help us because we're gonna fast our way into this. <laughs> 
because I believe that the Lord wants to break open and remove every veil of, of broken theology, even if it's good theology. It's kept us from understanding and encountering the Lord for who he is. You all right? I'm telling you, there's, there's places that the Lord wants to bring us and move us into that will set us free so that we can walk with the Father in perfect, perfect unity. And we've been given grace to do that. Oh, I'm going to share a gospel of grace next week. It's going to mess everyone up. <laughs> anyway. All right, I'm going to... Uh, come on, let's just pray for one second again. Just hold your hands up one more time. It's okay, we're in church, we can pray. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for the opening of eyes and Lord setting us in a place where we just continue to just move into a deeper place and a deeper realm with you. We thank you for celestial substance that's been given to us by heaven through your son tonight. That's made everything new in this place. It's changed everything. It's, it's, it's restored marriages. It's restored health. It's restored us in our inner man. It's restored us from trauma of the past. It's restored us from so many things. And God, you're moving us into a new place and a new life with you. And Lord, we thank you for what we had yesterday and even tonight, but you were going in further and deeper in the new places with you. And I thank you, God, that you're going to raise up and move us into, in, in, in new places in this hour. And we love you. Lord, break boredom off the church. Lord, help us fall deeply in love with you and let us be so hungry that we find you in everything. We just have a thankful heart and a thanksgiving heart that sees you in all things. And we rejoice in you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to introduce Bobby, Bobby right now. And I really, Bobby and Candace, uh, man, I think I've met you the first time up at Brian Garen's up, at, up in Maine. That was the first time I met you. I don't think Candace was there. And then I met you quickly. It was just, hey, hey. And, and then they showed up for David Hogan. And that was, that's a year ago. Yeah? Yeah, over a year ago. And, um... They sacrifice. They come from a pretty long distance. Actually, a lot of people in here come from an hour plus, so, so I shouldn't say that. But the reality is that they've just been, there's just a heart connection that's, that's, that's happened. And, and I totally feel like Bobby is just, he's probably jumped, like I'm really killing him right now, just telling him, you know, I'm watching, watching. I can feel him. He's like, let me loose, let me loose. So it, it's, we're going to receive good ministry tonight and I'm saying that to say I really feel like his heart their hearts I just really to see revival they're, they're running on the same track we are and, and so many of you in here are in the same place and I just I just want you to give him a big hand as he comes up just I know he's he's homegrown here but we'll just give him a big clap and welcome come on How we doing? Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Is that loud enough? Good. Well, that was awesome. God's awesome because as soon as he started talking, I started to get really hungry for this message because I wasn't confident about it. It's a little bit outside of my flow, so to speak. I like to just pick a book and go through it, let the Holy Spirit just flow. That's, that's how I roll. It's just the way he's made me, and I like it that way because I have to totally depend on him. I don't like preparing sermons. I just like to get into it and see what the Holy Spirit's saying. And so I felt like all week I was praying, and he was leading me to this message, but it was kind of like all over the place. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to be jumping from this book to that book. But then it was all about the blood of Jesus. I wrote down right here, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So as soon as you start, we didn't talk at all about what I was going to be talking about. So that's the Lord, you know. So I know as soon as I heard that, I'm like, okay, Lord, help me deliver this because I know he has something that he wants to give you, give all of us, give me. And I've lived this message, so it's easy to talk about it. But before that, I just wanted to honor Miles and Lisa a little bit because I feel like the Lord wants to honor you both. It's so exciting for me to come here because as soon as I step in here, I can feel the presence of God. I, I feel the freedom in this place, and they've cultivated that. And, you know, there's an, there's an anointing 
on an individual, but there's a corporate anointing that gets cultivated by true shepherds, by leadership, and also by the hunger and the faith that's in this room. So there's big, big faith in this room because when you walk in the building, you feel it. And that's why everybody that's come through here, every minister, they all love coming here and want to come back. It's because they sense what God is doing. And Miles and Lisa are, are at the tip of that. They've, they've cultivated that. And I just feel like uh, God's getting ready to honor both of you in a big way. I was getting 11-11 all week, and I don't usually get numbers. I mean, every day I've, I have about 10 pictures in my phone, and I've been showing my wife. I don't pay attention to it, but it was so apparent that I knew God was speaking. And I'm like, what is 11-11? then he asked me to minister tonight, and 11 plus 11 is 22. Today's the 22nd. And there was just another earthquake in Massachusetts, which we, that's where I'm from, and we don't uh, get earthquakes. So I just feel like God's signifying a shaking that's taking place, and I just really feel in my spirit that he's getting ready to honor both of you in a big way. And it's an honor and a privilege because, like I said, where there's an anointing on a person... That grows in time as you steward what God has given you. But when you step into a place where there's a corporate anointing, you can actually catapult me into new heights that I haven't been because of your faith in what's here. So it really is an honor and a privilege for me. That's why I'm excited and that I'll be blessed by you and hopefully you'll be blessed by me. So yeah, as I said, it's really about the blood and transformation and renewing of the mind. So that's... That's the gist of what I want to talk about, and faith is how we access everything in the kingdom, right? And the biggest impediment of that is unbelief. This verse right here in Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we get faith by hearing the word of God. We want faith. That's the one thing we want to get, because it, it's how we get our salvation. It's how we get grace. It's how we access the gifts. And so what the enemy is always trying to do is sneak unbelief into your life to inhibit faith because faith is how we access everything that we have, right? So that's really what trans transformation is. And I was a person like, okay, so many of you guys know me, but you don't know my story. And, and typically the first time you'd be ministering somewhere, you'd probably share a testimony so you guys get a, a context about me. But I just didn't feel like the Lord was wanted to do that tonight. He had this message. So I'll give you the really short version. I was really, really lost, and now I'm really, really found. And that's the really, really short version, right? So transformation was what it was all about. And this book right here changed my life. And it, it it's really is, when Paul says in the beginning of Romans that it's the power of God unto salvation, that it really is. I mean... This was the biggest supernatural encounter I ever had before I ever had a supernatural encounter. It's a supernatural encounter waiting for anybody that wants to pick it up. I still say that, you know, the, the blood turning a sinner into a saint is the greatest miracle God ever created. And so that's what's in this book. This book gives you your identity. And James says when you look at this and you look at the word, it's like looking in a mirror. And somebody who looks at it and goes away and forgets what they look like because they're not doing what they, what they read, right? So this is where we find our identity. And that's what renewing the mind is about. That's what transformation is about. And really, that's what God is really looking to get in all of us because that's why Jesus came. Many say Jesus came because we're sinners. But he didn't just come because we're sinners. He came to, to restore that which was lost. And what was lost was our original identity. And so he reveals to us what our identity is in this book. And so when we read it, we have an opportunity to say yes to what he's saying about us. And so there's things that stop that from happening. And it's really unworthiness. It's really unbelief to what he's saying about us. We don't believe that he can actually do what he said he can do. And so all of a sudden, we're believing a revelation in our mind but there's things in our heart that are stopping it from really taking hold of our heart. That's why the Bible says that as a man believes in his heart, so he will become. It doesn't say in his mind. But see, we can, and I'm learning this as I go, that I had a revelation in my mind and it produced a total transformation of life. But knowing him was getting him into my heart. 
So, so I knew him to a degree because I had transformation, but there were areas of my heart that had wounds that I didn't even realize, and that happens from knowing him. As, as you begin to walk with him, and as he begins to reveal things to you through intimacy, you will find wounds that you didn't even know were there, that were stopping you from going deeper that, that he wants to take you. And see, you can only go as far with him as, you, as you'll go. He'll take you as far as you want. But for some reason, we come to a place and then we stop because we think we're not worthy. And it happens to me. It happens to all of us. That's why the constant renewing of the mind, it never stops. It, it's an ongoing process for everybody because until we have the total mind of Christ, we have the mind of Christ, but we have to steward that. We have to continually block out the lies of the enemy and fill our mind with the word of God because that's the sword of the spirit. So when lies try to get in my mind, I have the sword of the spirit, which is truth. And it's the truth that sets men free. It's not, you know, prayer, prayer doesn't set people free. Prayer is our tool to get closer to him. Prayer is how we talk to him, but it is the truth that sets you free. So you can have an encounter and still be in bondage because you're not renewing the mind. You know him, you love him, you're walking with him, but for some reason the enemy has a grip on you and it's because we need to renew the mind constantly, right? So I just feel like what he's trying to get across to us is the love of the Father, it's the love of the Father. The blood is on the mercy seat, wooing us into a deeper relationship. It's sitting there. It's a love story. It's saying, look at what I've done. Jesus standing there with blood on his hands, saying, I gave up everything for you. Will you give up everything for me? And, and who's not going to take him up on that? People reject it because they've been beat over the head with their sins, and they feel the weight of it, and they think, I could never do that, so I'm not even going to try. And so it's up to us to reveal the love of the Father to bring the people in so that they can receive the free gift of salvation through grace. You see, it's the story of the blood. And for so long, I think the story has been sin. And people feel the weight of that, and it's actually why they don't come. Because when I see this, I get so excited when I read the word. I go, who would reject this? This is the, the, the king of the universe, the creator of all things, the God who loves us. And he's, he's writing a story about us, telling us what he thinks about us. And, and people reject it. It's because they, they, they don't have eyes to see yet. And so God, like Christ in you, the hope of glory, that's what he's saying. You are the hope of his glory being manifest in the earth. But you have to pick up that mantle. That's a mantle that you have to put on. Nobody else can steward your heart. Only you can. And so you will stop short the second you get to a place where he's taken you deeper and you don't think you're worthy of it. Ephesians 4 tells us he's given us uh, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? Christ in you doesn't say it's the fivefold that's bringing the glory. It says the fivefold is there to prepare you guys for the work of ministry, right? You, you're the hope of glory. I'm the hope of glory. But if you don't put that on and wear it, Jesus paid for you to have it. And so it's not about, we, we, we think that people that come in, that they have these amazing gifts and it's amazing to watch. Sometimes it's entertaining. It's supernatural. We think that's the glory. The glory is in you loving humanity. God, that's what God's after. He's after salvation of souls. He's after the lost. He paid for it. And so we got to stop looking at the gifts and start picking up the mantle of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's what, that's what the Lord is after. He's wooing you into that with his love. So let's just read some scripture. And I'm, I'm going to start in Romans 10, but... I'll, you guys can meet me at Romans 12 because I'm going to recap a little bit because it will take too long to go through all this. So he starts off uh, in chapter 9, verse 30. I'm just going to read a little bit. He says, uh, What then shall we say, that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal? Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. 
as it is written, see, I lay a, a stone in Zion that causes people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So he's telling us here that the reason they stumbled is because they tried to base it on what they were doing. That's how you will feel automatically. It's, it's the religious spirit. It's where freedom doesn't exist. It's, it's, that, it's that churchianity that we all get like so disgusted with. It's what everybody rejects in the world because it's not truth. It's what Jesus came to set us free from. That's what grace is. Grace sets us free from having to live that way. That's where the weight is lifted and Jesus Christ himself carries the weight for you. But if you keep putting the weight back on yourself, you're rejecting the gift like they did because they, they see, when we try to pick up our works, it's like putting something on the blood and it perverts the blood. It's like saying that the blood's not enough. I have to perform and do this. And someday when I get a hold of this, someday when I fix this, then I'll go back to church. Or when I get this out of my life, I'll go further in ministry because then I'll be worthy. You can't ever do that. If you could do that, Christ didn't need to come. We need to get in the church and receive grace, be washed in the blood so he can finish the work that he started in us. And when you realize that, when revelation hits, it's freedom. It's freedom. And then you're free to love people because you're not upset with other people because of your feelings. You're not living out of a place of hurt in your heart because you've been set free. And now you want others to have that. It's contagious. It's exciting. That, when you come to a place like that, there's freedom. And people want to come. And they, and they won't be able to get enough of it. And that's the true gospel. And Jesus, it, you know, like Miles said, I mean, come on. I didn't talk to him at all. And he got up here and said everything that I was getting ready to say. So I know that the Lord is saying to people, his people, you are who I'm relying on to bring my glory in the earth. And he said to Moses, Moses, as sure as I am, my glory is going to cover the earth. Because he knows there's going to be a people that are willing to pick up that mantle because they've received the revelation of grace. And so it's okay if we have it in our minds, but we got to go deeper and get it into our hearts. And that takes time and relationship with him and being honest with him and spending time in the secret place so that he can begin to reveal where you've been wounded. And we've all been wounded somewhere in life. I don't care if you had the best parents. They were fallen. And so somewhere along the line, something happened that stuck and the enemy's banking on you not finding it out. And the only way you're going to find out what that thing is that's impeding your progress with the Lord is if you ask him. And so you've you got to spend time with him and that's what he's after. And he's saying, listen, the blood is there. You're worthy. See, the only reason I can stand here right now is because of the blood. The songs we sung, there's only one that's worthy. There's only one that's worthy to stand here. It's him. I don't care what, how big the ministries are. I don't care what they've done. They stand here because he's worthy. And he, he picks people to be messengers. And we're his messengers. So are you going to argue with him? That's what, that was my biggest thing. I said, Lord, who am I? Why, why, why would you send me? And he said, why not? And I didn't have an answer. And that was good enough for me. I said, okay, well, if you say why not, then I'm just going to roll with that because I, I can't come up with a reason. I'm not going to talk you out of it, and you shouldn't either because if you're here, you're his. If you're here, he chose you. You see what I mean? Embrace that and let, let the love of God begin to woo you into deeper places than you've ever gone. So this is my problem. I, I don't get through the message because we just... So the recap here is that Israel, he, all Paul's saying here in Romans is they had hardness of heart and they were temporarily cut out of the blessing because they tried to do it themselves. And he's saying they're, they're still going to be included, but for a time they're going to be hardened so that you and I could come in. And that's the gist of what he's saying here. But it's also put in there so that you and I don't make the same mistakes because there's a whole religious spirit trying to lead a generation in that same direction. And it's so easy to follow because the world operates that way. And so it looks familiar. It seems right. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but ultimately ends in destruction, right? So we can't go by what seems right in the natural mind. That's why we need a renewed mind. We need the truth of Christ in us so that we cannot be deceived. The Bible says for us not to be unawares of the schemes of the enemy, right? So 
picking up in chapter 12, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing to God. So he's saying that that's a choice that we get to make. He's standing there, just imagine him, Jesus, with the blood on his hands, already done the work. He said, I already gave up everything. Would you give up everything for me? And Paul's saying, if we say yes, that is a living sacrifice that we are giving back to him. And and look, he says it's holy and pleasing. That means your yes becomes holiness because it pleases God because he already paid for it. So what the whole thing is, he's after your yes. Yes. We're, we're after trying to fix everything, do everything better, and all he wants is the everyday yes. You see, that's the pursuit of holiness. The Bible says that righteousness produces its fruit unto holiness. So right believing will bring you to holiness because as you believe you've been made righteous by the blood, all of a sudden, because of that belief system, it automatically starts to produce holiness. So we have to start where he finished. He finished by making you righteous. It says that he, be, he that knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. So I put on the righteousness of God in my mind and I start there. I'm not waking up trying not to sin every day. I'm waking up as a son, walking in righteousness. And if I fall, the Bible says that there's more than enough grace. Because Romans says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Right? And it also says that the righteous man falls seven times but continues to get up. So it's not about the falling, it's about you knowing who you are so that you get back up. The fact that you get back up reveals that you have faith in what he said, and you continue on. And that is pleasing to God, because you're putting more, more faith in what he said than your works. That's freedom. That's freedom. <laughs> I want that. I need that. So, ver- verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So interestingly enough, I looked at the word repent, and and other times I've taught that it it means to turn, and it does mean to turn. But as I was looking it up, metanoia actually means to change your mind. Oh, that's so good, because you can't actually walk in repentance without renewing your mind. So it it is an obligation that if we are truly in repentance, we are renewing our mind because we can't actually change our mind because what I'm doing is I'm saying I repent, but I don't even know how to fix it. So I'm, I'm doomed to repeat the same thing over until I get a revelation. So it's the revelation of God that begins to hit your mind that sets you free. That's what happened to me before I ever had a supernatural encounter. I was totally lost picked up the Bible and started chasing God and revelation started to come. And as my mind started to grab hold of the revelation, I all of a sudden started to change because I believed it. And so things just started falling off of me by way of revelation. That's what the renewing of the mind is. It's that simple. It's, It's literally a light bulb going off and you go, oh, and you see it. And then you just change. It's like you don't go back. I told my wife, it's like when you're driving down the road, and you see a pothole, and you hit it every time, you know, every once in a while, you might hit it again. You go, oh, I hit it again. But you know it's there now. So, so even though you hit it, you're never going back to not knowing it's there. That's what revelation does. It reveals to you that you're something different, and you're not the thing you used to think you were. Oh, come on. That's so good. <laughs> because it's that easy. It's so simple. And then you You just go on living life like this, and and Jesus is just sitting there laughing because the price has been paid. So so you don't have to do anything. When it says, that that other verse I wrote down, it says, um, he is making, uh, by the one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So he's already made you perfect, and he's making you holy. But how is he making you holy? By renewing your mind. So there's a cooperation that needs to take place. So what's he really after? Your yes. That's it. Just yes, Jesus. I believe what you say about me. Help me do it. And then every day you get up in relationship and you go through life and you do your business 
but you're looking at the word or you're coming and receiving revelation, digesting it, and all of a sudden, the word becomes flesh. Jesus Christ, it says, the word became flesh. So as we digest this word more and more, it's a process. It takes time. That's totally fine. You've been made perfect. Your spirit is perfect. But as you begin to renew your mind, all of a sudden your soul is getting caught up to your spirit and you are being made holy and complete and totally sozoed, never going back to where you were before. It is good news. It is amazing news. And then when you get a hold of it, all of a sudden you want to tell people. Because what happens is you start feeling the sufferings. You, you start to feel the suffering of the Lord because you look out into the world and you see what they're missing. And, that, and then it becomes a burden on your heart. Not because you feel like you have to do souls because it's like this obligation and all of a sudden you are puffed up because you're saving people. So you're not trying to get people to say a prayer because it takes discipleship and that takes time. It's an investment into people's lives. So, so that's what God is after. He didn't say go into the world and, and get people saved. He said go into the world and make disciples. And so you have to invest into, and this, these two are the best at it. That's what I, why I honor them is because they invest in people. It's not about the numbers out there. It's about each person totally shepherding them and pulling out everything that God has in there. And see, you need willing participants for that, though. And so what happens is unbelief starts to creep in, and all of a sudden you don't think that that's really for you, or you try to hide because you think you're the only one, or you think you're unworthy, and so we isolate. And God wants to set you free from that because he's saying, hey, when I looked at the earth, I saw all sinners, but my son came and paid for everybody. And I am asking you with blood in my hands to come to me. Would you come? And see, we got to go running to that. So he says, let's just see how much time we got. I, I got so many I want to get. All right. For by the grace given me, I say to everyone, this is verse 3. Oh, sorry, uh, right before that. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. See, how can we know the will of God if we're not seeking it in the word? Because the word tells us that it's our responsibility to produce fruit for the kingdom. It's actually, he says in Matthew 2 about the, the, the Jews that they actually didn't produce fruit for the kingdom. And he tells a parable about saying that, I'm going to come and take it away from you because you didn't produce fruit and give it to someone that will. So there's such an importance on what we receive, that's where responsibility comes in. And see, you can't have authority without responsibility. And oftentimes, we like the idea of authority and taking authority over things in our life. But sometimes we're like, why do I not feel like authoritative in the spirit? It might be because we're not taking responsibility. And God started to show me, if you have a CEO of a company, he gets responsibility for everything, but he makes the calls on everything too. He has authority. But if something goes wrong, he takes responsibility for it. So if the church doesn't take responsibility for what's going on in the earth, how do we have authority? See, we have to look out into the earth and not go, oh, we're going to hell in a handbag. Can't wait till Jesus comes back. No, that's our responsibility. So if it looks like that, then we need to get to work. And God's looking for a people that would pick that weight up and put... He, he takes the weight. He's going to do all the work, but he just wants us to take the responsibility because nobody else is coming. You're it. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> you, you and I, it's, uh, it's us. He, that's where he's chosen. So nobody else is coming to save the world. Jesus Christ already came and he picked you to be his glory carriers. And that's a huge, like, awesomeness. Like, because the kingdom, he said, I mean, some of the times when I read this stuff and I go, wow, I can't even believe this. He said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he said, I'm going to give you the keys to Peter to the kingdom of heaven. What does that look like? You've got, the, you, you've got the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What, what does that come with? I like getting a new car, but getting the keys to the kingdom of heaven, I want to test drive some of that stuff. Because I'm telling you, when you start walking in the supernatural, and here's, again, where the religious spirit starts to rise up and rob people of what God paid for you to have. And so the, the closer you get to Jesus, the smaller the air gets. The higher you get, it, it, it just starts to, you know, the road is narrow. 
So, so it's the fear of man that will keep you from all that. And I'm just telling you that God is looking for people right now because of what he's wanting to do in the earth that would just cast away all fears because he just delights in the fact that people take courage in the fact that he can accomplish in you. It's him that's going to do it, not you. So, so it's actually a total love fest on him when you believe that he's able to do it. All right, so let's jump to Romans 8 because that talks about condemnation. And that's, a, that's what we're talking about, how that's an impediment to what God's trying to do in your life. So he says here, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, uh, sorry, through Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Do you know John G. Lake used that verse to walk into places that was totally infested with the bubonic plague? And when he asked, what are you doing? How, why are you doing this? He, re, he quoted this verse. Because that's what I'm saying about revelation and the renewing of your mind. It never ends. There's a place where you just sit on things and you just allow the Lord to cauterize it in your heart to where it just becomes so much a part of you that all of a sudden things begin to break and the faith of God begins to rise up in you and all of a sudden you have breakthrough and you begin to operate in new realms. And that's where encounter takes place. So when you are renewing your mind and you come to a place in the Bible that's a sticking point or that you're having trouble with, that's when you start to pray. That's when an encounter can totally change everything. Where all of a sudden, because you've stayed in faith and in prayer and contended for the truth, Jesus Christ comes and breaks the chains or he comes in and gives you breakthrough and all of a sudden he gifts you something or he changes something and you're never the same. That's why I love coming here, because I know every time I walk through that door, there's an opportunity for me to leave totally different through an encounter with Jesus. And that's available here, and it's not available everywhere. It's precious. It is precious. If we can get a hold of that, and, and some of these things begin to break off of you, and I believe that's what the Lord wants to do, is break the walls down that are inhibiting you from going deeper and receiving what he wants to give you. Because there's an opportunity here every week to see change, to have breakthrough in your life. I've had things that I've contended for in prayer that I couldn't break on my own. And then all of a sudden, an encounter came, and it was never the same. I never even had a problem with it again. And so what he's, what he's looking for is a people that would contend for what he's saying by faith is yours. You see? And the enemy's going to try to come in and rob you with unbelief. It says, uh, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are, all right, we, we did verse three, for what, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned it. It's not worth the time or the story when the blood is there. You know, when you have something go on, I say, like, if you, if you got pulled over by a police officer and got a ticket, but then he gave you a break, you don't go around telling everybody about the ticket. You go around telling everybody you got a break. So why do we go around telling everybody about sin? We should be telling them about the blood. The blood is the story, not sin. He said he condemned it in the flesh. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us fully met in us. So the blood made the law fully met in you. See, if you don't read this and accept that as truth, because the devil's going to try to come back and, and put a lie on you that there's something else that needs to change or something else. This, this is, that's already been paid for, already been dealt with. All God's looking for is your yes so that he can give you breakthrough. Because if you don't contend for what he's saying, you'll stay the same. So what's going to stop you from contending? Unbelief or unworthiness. So, so revelation actually sets you free. That's why the truth is what sets you free, because it's a right mindset. When we say the battle is in the mind, there it is right there. You could go on all day 
warring over the thoughts you have in your head, and God's trying to silence all that stuff with his word. But if we don't have an opportunity to get in the word and digest it, you see how there'll be no change. So you can still be saved, still love God, still be walking with him, but we need to renew the mind. We need to be transformed so that every time we come here, every time we're around each other, we are stirred in such a way that it pushes us deeper and we leave looking more like Jesus. That's why we all need each other. We, nobody can do this by themselves. And God just loves it when he looks down and he sees his children using one. I've had so many people minister to me in here. I've gone places in other states and had people come up to me that I didn't even know and give me a life-changing word. And I still have the paper in my desk and I didn't know her name. She just came up and prophesied over me and left. And she will never know that that word completely pushed me into a place. It was life-changing. So you never know what God's going to use you to do. And so you, you, that's the excitement of working with the Holy Spirit. The fear of man will totally rob you of that. So, so we need God's grace and his power to break the fear of man so that he can use you and so that other people can benefit from what you have in you. Because there's certain things, you know, uh, we didn't get to that part, but where the, the body is many, many parts, there's all different parts, right? So everybody is needed, and, and your part can't be reproduced because God only made one of you. So if you don't step up and take hold of what God has put on you, the body's going to suffer. You see what I mean? <laughs> I love it. I love the Word of God. He says, uh, verse 5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You see, it's all about the mind. The mind is what the enemy's after, and God's after your mind. Because it starts in the mind and then moves down to your heart, and God wants all of you. And he will war for it. He says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I want that. I want the life and peace. So that means I have to work with the Holy Spirit and renew my mind. Because if I have this relationship with God, but I'm not renewing my mind, the enemy can come in. That's what he's trying to stop. He's trying to get you to understand who you really are. And sometimes your life will start speaking louder than the word of God. Your experience in life, what people have done to you, what you've done, will start to become louder in your head than what the word of God is saying. And so there's a battle that needs to take place. And what God is looking is that you would put more weight of faith on what he said than anything that you've been through. Because if I focused on what I've been through, I would never come here and speak to you. So I have to trust God, and all of a sudden the weight is gone because it's all him. That's why he gets all the glory. And see, many people, this is why really educated people have a hard time accepting the gospel. Not all of them, but it's because they have so much gifting that they are not willing to lay down their gifting and give the glory to God. They want to hold on to what they feel like they've earned, but everything comes from God. It says, all good things come from the Father of lights in heaven. So even their gifting and their intellect that they received when they were born, they stewarded it, but it was from God. And so all of a sudden, it's like there's, we walk in humility. And for me, it was easy because of how low I was. And so th there's this like battle if you're good at stuff or you have some, these people get really analytical and they, and they have a hard time and it breaks my heart because everyone needs it. Everyone needs it. I, I would minister to people in halfway houses, people in recovery. And what, what I would tell the guys is you don't even realize that the people here working with you, the psychologists, they need Jesus just as much as you do, but they don't even know it. You guys are blessed to have hit rock bottom because now you're willing to receive Christ, and they're not. And all of a sudden, they, it, because all of a sudden value comes in. And see, the, the, the devaluing of us is what the enemy wants to do through our life and our experience. And God's showing you that he valued you because the cross says that. The cross doesn't say that, oh, you're a sinner, 
The cross says that sin was a problem and Christ had to die because of sin, because he loved you. It's what any parent would do to get their children back. Jesus gave up everything to ransom you back. It says you were bought from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light. So once you're in the kingdom of light, you're not going back. So we have to get the mindset of the kingdom and start wearing what Jesus paid for you to have. All right, we'll go a little bit more. He says, uh, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Cannot. You cannot. Why? Because the Bible says that without faith, you can't please God. So all of these things that we put so much weight on, like, oh, I'm going to get rid of this in my life, or I'm going to do this for the Lord, I'm going to do ministry, or whatever it is. It says you can't please God without faith. So faith, it actually works when we have that mentality and we think we're doing something from God. He's actually benefiting from the opposite. He, he's looking for faith. Verse 9, How, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. Because as you walk in unity and renew the mind, you can't ever stay the same. Because as revelation comes, you're automatically going to be changed. And so you're walking through this process in renewing the mind and being transformed into the very image of Christ. And every time you receive revelation, you're a different person. And even though you may trip and stumble, you're never going back to the person you used to be before you had the revelation. It's awesome. And it's just sitting here waiting for anybody that picks up the book. I'm like, what are we doing? It's right here. Like, it's, it's what everyone out there is looking for. But God is just looking for people that would convey the message in love to, to, to get people in and to be able to explain the love of God. That's what God is after. That's what, I mean, he said it to Miles, he said it to me, and that's good enough for me. You know, that's confirmation enough for me. So he says, for those who are led, uh, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So how many people, you got, that's, an, that's another mantle. Just wrap it around your neck and wear it for Christmas. I am a child of God. And don't let anything else come in and change your mind on it. You see, because it's, a, it's not only a gift, but it's a privilege and an honor. Because the creator of the universe wants to be your father. And he wants to do life with you. He said, the spirit himself testifies, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are our children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. What kind of a king does that? Have you ever heard of a kingdom where the king shares his kingdom with everybody else? I haven't. That's our king. He makes us co-heirs. We're sitting in heavenly places with him right now. That, that's how awesome he is. And it's so awesome that it's hard to believe. And that's why people don't even pick up on it because unbelief just robs them of the truth. It really is that good. And then he says, uh, if Christ indeed we share his, oh, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. He's not only sharing his kingdom, but he's sharing his glory with you. Why? Because you automatically, the more you walk with him, the more your mind is renewed, you automatically start to have a heart for people. And I'm telling you, this, this hit me so hard because I had a transformed life. I was believing in God. But I got to, you know, the book of John, 1 John, where it says, if you don't love people, you don't know him. And I was like, oh, I don't love everybody. But I feel like I know you, God. What is going on? And see, so that's a place where you get to, where you hit a sticking point, 
and you need prayer. You need an encounter. And so you contend because you, you're, you're saying, God, I want this. That's what he, he wants your heart to want what he's giving you, what, who he says you are. Because once you want it and you get hungry for it, there's nothing going to stop you because the Spirit of God is going to enable it and there's nothing the devil can do to keep you from it. So if I can get you to be stirred to such a degree where you want holiness, where you begin to pursue holiness in your life because God says he will do it in you if you'll just give him your yes, that's what we're after. It's called hunger. And I pray all the time, Lord, don't take my hunger away. Stir my hunger. It's a gift from God to have hunger because it's, it's how everything flows in the kingdom. And I say, Lord, just make me more hungry. Make me more hungry because it just makes devils shriek. And, and, and I hate devils because I've seen their destruction. I see what they do to people. And I love seeing people set free. And see, that's when you have the heart of God. When all of a sudden, I'm not looking at people the way I used to. Because I see what, the way God sees them. And because I love God so much, it moves my heart. And all of a sudden, it begins to blossom. And it's just amazing that he could even do that. Whew. All right, let's go to Hebrews 4 and we'll land. So, again, right before 4 in chapter 3, he's again warning against unbelief. He says, so as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Remember, it was the unbelief that hardened the hearts of the Israelites and what cut them out of the promises. And he's saying, if you hear my voice, don't harden to it. So if God's speaking you t t tonight, don't let fear come in and rob you of it. Because what happens is every time you block it out, the heart becomes hardened towards it. And then as you go on, it's harder and harder to receive because pride starts to rise up. And that's what happens to people. They reject it so much that even when they want it, they can't take it because the pride is just so strong and they need an encounter with God. And so he says, as, you did, as they did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my way. So I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. He says it's sinful to actually function in unbelief. And some people go around boasting in their unbelief. You tell them about a supernatural, oh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Unbelief gets you kicked out of the kingdom. I don't want that. I, I, I say, when, when I hear something, I say, Lord, I want that. Lord, if that's you, do it in me. And then I go after it. You know, because I have the spirit of truth in me. I don't have to fear. He hasn't given me a spirit of fear. Because I know if I'm going in the wrong direction, he's going to grab me and pull me back. Right? And so everybody else is using this, I have discernment thing. And it's really the devil robbing them of what God has for them. It's fear wrapped in an illusion of discernment. He says, uh, today, sorry, verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long it is, as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today is the day God is speaking to you and he's saying, don't harden your heart to what I'm saying. You don't know if you're going to have tomorrow. So every day is the day of rest that God is calling you into, today. And we only, we, we only get so many of them and then one day it ends. So he's saying, don't harden your hearts when I'm calling to you. The blood is calling to you. It's on the mercy seat, wooing you into deeper places. He says, verse 16, who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest? If not to those who disobeyed, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. 
Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. You see, they had it. Even the people that crucified Jesus, they had the word of God. So just having it is not enough. Just believing that God is real is not enough. We need to get rid of the unbelief and go deeper. There's no, like, I'm going to come just a little bit, believe in God, and go to heaven someday. He's not after that. He, he's, he's, it's all or nothing with him. He, he's like, come and give me everything you got because I gave you everything you got. He says, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who believed, obeyed. See, this is Old Testament, but it's still by faith. It was always by faith. He says, now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. That's the good part. It's the rest. Oh, the rest of God. The Sabbath day's rest. He's saying, once you lay down your works you are in the rest of God. And that's a revelation that got to hit you because when it hits you, it's something to, to jump for joy about because you no longer have to perform to, to earn his love. He loves you. He loves you because you believed him. And there's all of a sudden a weight lifted because life in the world is constantly telling you you have to perform, constantly telling you where you didn't make it, constantly separating people because of their bank accounts, you know, where they live, how big your house is. It's all about performance. And it's meant to wear you down so that you don't see that God is so much better than the world. That's why he says you cannot love the world and love me because they're polar opposite. The kingdom is not like the world. He said, so I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed it to them and did not go because of their disobedience, God set a certain day calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's three times he says it. God's sending out the message for those watching online, if you're hearing the voice of God today, don't harden your hearts. Open it up to what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's not bound by broadcasting and social media. He's not bound by, you know, uh, state lines or anything like that. Holy Spirit can come and touch you right where you are. And we're going to pray for that tonight, that people would be set free from the spirit of condemnation, the spirit of religion, anything that is holding you from going deeper with God. He said, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath day rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Oh, you know, it's so funny because the, the best part about it is actually that you don't have to perform, but yet everybody's trying to pick that mantle back up, that performance mantle, because the world has trained us that way. It's like we don't even want to live that way because it's oppressive, but yet we won't let it go either because it's just too good to be true. How could it be that I'm just going to be loved? <laughs> Come on. It's not that. It's the blood. The blood is what did it. That's how valuable the blood is. And when we get a revelation of that, that's what will bring you to the front and worship on your knees and sing for joy and tell everybody about it because you have a revelation on the value that God expelled to get you back and set you free and put you under his rest. All right. I want to go into ministry I could keep going all night, so I don't. No, I, I just, just want to tell I you. I need to do something, <laughs> so I, I need. I have a word 
For you. For me? For you. Oh. That's exciting. Well, what happened when, when you, and I've been holding it for 45 minutes, so as soon as you got up, I was like, what is happening right now? And all of a sudden, wham. But as soon as you picked up the pencil, or whatever you got in there, yeah, it's a pen. Yeah. I felt the Lord say it, and I am, I'm prophesying over you, because there's something that's going to be released over you tonight, I believe that, and you release whatever you want over everyone else, but it was Isaiah 50, and I saw it clear as day. It says, the Lord God has given me, given you, the tongue of the learned, that you should know how to speak. That's obviously not an issue. And a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning, and he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, and I didn't turn away. And I'll tell you what I saw. I saw the Lord dropping a... Obviously, you have a teaching mantle on you, but I saw... Immediately, I saw anyone. There's, there's a prophet named Cobus. He's passed away. Oh yeah, out of South Africa. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just saw the, I just saw his face next to you, and I and I felt like the Lord said, "I'm putting a teaching mantle on him that will that will rock people. That will bring begin to. It's a revelatory teaching anointing. I have it, but I just feel like there's a, a mantle that God is wanting to put on you even tonight, and that that as you begin to speak. Simple truths will be opened up and opened wide to people. And, and even tonight, it's probably already happened. But I, I, I feel like the Lord was saying that there's going to be something that breaks open. That, and, and, and his church, in his church, and I'm not saying you will be him because he actually taught things about immoral, uh, immortality that was phenomenal about never dying. Of course, he's dead. Yeah. But the reality is... There's, a, there's an underlying teaching in the Word of God that there's an explosive understanding of walking in the fullness of God. And, and I feel like God's going to open up inside of you, even I'm going to pray for you, and I want everyone to put their hands towards you, that the power of God and what they would do, they, they bring them through the church, and they'd go, they had this river, and he would bring wheelchairs through. Because of the revelatory realm and the apostolic anointing, so it's an apostolic teaching anointing. Wow. That God wants to just throw on you. He was, he was known as a prophet. But I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something to release something to you tonight. Because I feel it. I feel it like power on me for 45 minutes. Talk about, listen, we all need to know it's subject to the prophet, right? The spirit of, of God is subject to the, I, I need to give person the word right now. No, no, no. You can hold it. And I'm just going to release. Just put your hands towards him now. Because I feel like God really wants to rip something open inside of him. And so, Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you've given him the tongue of the learned. Father, that he will bring water to the weary. I just saw water coming from your life and beginning to flow. It was the living waters of Jesus, but it was flowing in a way that, that you, you haven't experienced. So, Father, I thank you that he's hungry. He even spoke of the hunger. Lord, I thank you that he's going to provoke people to hunger. I thank you, God, for, the, for a mantle. It's a revelatory mantle that's being released over him tonight, even, even, even in the days ahead, that as he presses in and as he moves in, God, you begin to open up greater things. Lord, we thank you for the realm of miracles that come from the word of God that begin to be released because of teaching and releasing and opening up the heavens. So, Father, we thank you right now for the goodness of God. I thank you for the teaching of and the release of the grace of God on his life in new realms, Father, new realms. I know he's hungry. I know he sits before you. But, God, would you just amp it up even greater? God, would you begin to open it up even greater? Would you begin to release a greater realm over his life? And, Father, would you be begin to help him to see and oversee the things that you've called him to. Lord, we thank you for the gift of God on him and Candace. Father, we ask that it just would increase. Even tonight, Father, you'd just bring an increase to it. And Father, we thank you for the tongue of the learned. I just saw words turning into pictures as you begin to release them. And the Holy Spirit will, will give you words that will bring pictures, that will bring people out of bondage and into healing. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say to you guys, you know, that's how good God is. He's, he, he is a gift giver, and he's looking for people that would just receive. It, it's still taking me time to learn how to receive because there's wounds that you, do, you don't even realize that it's, sometimes it's even just hard to receive. But God is looking to give gifts. 
And he wants to give to you just like he gives to me. It, 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 he's of no lack in the kingdom. It's just amazing. And he has so much for you. And so we're just going to pray that if anybody has the spirit of condemnation or the spirit of unworthiness tonight, or if you have trouble with receiving or going deeper, that we would pray for you that, that that would be broken off tonight, that we bind those spirits in the spirit. We bind the spirit of religion in Jesus' name. We bind the spirit of unworthiness in Jesus' name. Yeah, any place, guys, just begin to respond and move because I, I feel like if you, you need a renewed mind tonight, you're going to receive it because I know that I know this this young man, he's received so much from Jesus and, and I'm, I'm on the same camp. Like God has transformed my mind in ridiculous ways and so the Lord wants to just minister to you, but if you've, if you've, got, if you've had issues with condemnation and bouncing back in and out and you're, you're saying your double-mindedness, God wants to break it tonight. And if it's again, it's again. <laughs> you know, it's okay. But I want you to come forward and don't be, you know, don't be afraid. And if, if you're not comfortable coming forward, just, just stay where you are. But I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something for you tonight in fullness, in power. And, and just get ready. Like Bobby already said, listen, we need to position ourselves just to receive God. I want that. That's all you have to ask is heaven right now and just be in a position to receive right now. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, we thank you for incredible hunger. Thank you, Lord, for that courage. And we just ask that you would just begin to... So just, we pray for her. We thank you, Father, for a mantle over this place to change minds, to pull us out of condemnation and tripping up and tripping over things, Father, that you move us into a, a brand new place where the fire of God just begins to renew us on the inner man right now. Just everyone begin to just raise your hands and re just receive from the Holy Spirit. I, there's people that are, are in here. Just raise your hands and just pray for the people in front. Ready? Father, we thank you that you're doing something fresh and new even tonight.